Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Friday. My name's Eric Thornton, Commodity Specialist here at McKinney Flavelle, filling in for Mike Coughlin as host today, uh, which is September 15th, 2023. And welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast. I'm also joined with our very own consultant to the stars, as I believe he's called, uh, Jeffrey Rosinski at McKinney. And Jeff, uh, how's it going today on this Friday? Yeah, I think that's my name that uh, that Mike usually calls me. I'm doing great. And as you said, happy Friday to everybody. Yeah, happy Friday on this beautiful fall day. Uh, we're going to obviously get into cocoa, which is one of the markets Jeff covers for us very well. Very topical market as of recent. Uh, so really look forward to hearing Jeff's insights uh, and that commodity. But first and foremost, just wanted to give a, a couple plugs. First, starting with our, our IQ platform. Uh, really have a lot of new features on there we want to continue to highlight one being our commodity insights page gives everybody kind of the latest up to the minute update for many markets like cocoa what we're going to discuss today but also our classic uh, sugar corn and corn sweeteners wheat edible oils etc really all the analysts we have here at McKinney uh, we try and uh, update that on a daily uh, if not weekly basis for each market and um, really give you every access from our brains to to yours. So also wanted to highlight quickly uh, our new update to our monthly reports, which are now downloadable as PDF or PowerPoint. So a lot of downloadable charts, graphics, tables, pretty neat features. So folks, feel free to uh, check those out and insert those into your own commodity strategies or for any internal purposes you have there. So lastly, uh, just rounded out with our spring seminar, believe it or not, 2024. Uh, it doesn't sound that far away, but uh, it's never too early to get the save the dates. We'll get those out quite soon. But for those here, uh, pencil in your calendar because we have the date uh, April 17th, 2024 uh, at the same location for those that have gone in the past. We'll be at the La Meridian right there in Oak Brook. So mark your calendars. Uh, again, thanks for the few minutes to get those plugs out, but Definitely want to save quite a bit of time here for Jeff to uh, get us in with Coco. And, and like uh, Jeff, I know we've talked recently here. We're only a few weeks away from uh, the next main crop season for Coco. We've certainly seen the reaction to the bean market as of late, but we also have, uh, I think you're going to be sharing with some some other users out there and, and listeners, new farm gate prices. So uh, where would you like to start, Jeff? I'll, I'll kind of open it up with you first on, on a hot topic for Coco. Yeah, well, let's talk about the calendar. Usually when I'm bantering about the other uh, cocoa market, it's usually myself and Mike, but I'm happy to be doing this with you today because I know cocoa and chocolate is near and dear to your heart and a, uh, one of those markets oh, yes. that you follow very closely uh, as well. And as you said, we're only two weeks away from the start of the upcoming um, kind of new crop, which would uh, commence on October 1st, and that would be for the 2023-24 crop year. So it's rapidly approaching and, and actually one origin, Ghana in particular, has opened up the new marketing for the new season already. Um, so they've been, uh, they started that this week. And the reason why they opened it early is because the, well, they, they cited two reasons. They said that the dry weather that they encountered back in early January, as well as the um, huge amount of cocoa that was smuggled from their country, Ghana, into neighboring Ivory Coast to take advantage of 
higher uh, farm gate prices that the farmer was trying to take advantage of uh, resulted in, in their crop being down this year. And I think most estimates have them down, you know, pegged down somewhere between 650 and 700,000 metric tons. And they had a shortfall of cocoa and were unable to fulfill last season's contracts. And so I think the reason why they're opening it up early is in an attempt to try to you know, catch up to some of the rolled volume um, that they were not able to, uh, to meet this, uh, you know, this, this past year. And they were the first um, origin to announce an increase in their um, what, what's called the farm gate price. That's the price that the farmer receives. And I think mm-hmm. it's logical to expect with the, the surge we've seen in cocoa prices to multi-decade highs that the farmer obviously wants to get some piece of that action. Um, and, and higher prices that they, they are receiving from the, uh, the government. In the case of both Ivory Coast and Ghana, you have sort of a government controlled you know, regulatory body that establishes pricing that the farmer is going to receive. They do the official grading and sealing of the, uh, the cocoa beans um, and issue export certificates. So you kind of need the blessing of the government to do that. Um, and Ghana um, announced an, an increase in the farm gate price of 63% going back to the farmer wow. in an attempt to try to stem or try to nip in the bud some of the, uh, the smuggling that uh, farmers were taking advantage of because there was a higher farm gate price in their western neighbor over at Ivory Coast this, this last season um, that resulted in their crop being down because I think the suspicion is that a large portion of, of their crop was, was going into their, uh, you know, into the neighboring country mm-hmm. and, and counted as their cocoa rather than that of, uh, that of Ghana. The, the, uh, the next country that kind of announced an increase in their, in their lift in their farm gate prices was Cameroon. And, and they're actually coming up with a, a, a 25% increase in their farm gate price. And then lastly, I think just yesterday, I think Ivory Coast, they haven't officially announced what it's going to be yet, but they said that they will be increasing their, um, lifting their farm gate price, the price that the farmer receives uh, from the government for sales of, of cocoa. And I think they're presently at uh, 900 CFA, and I think they're targeting to go up to either 1100, a range of 1100 on the low side to 1250 on the high side. So conservatively, I think you could be looking at an increase of minimum of 30% and maybe closer to you know 40% increase in the farm gate price. So as you can see, Eric, it's like all these countries are competing against one another in terms mm-hmm. of you know raising their farm gate prices. And the good news is, you know, when the farmer receives more more money for their cocoa, that should um, enable them to afford more inputs such as fertilizer or pesticides right. or fungicides to take better care of their crops. So hopefully, this is all going to translate into better yields and, and more cocoa. Um, so that's the direct effect. The indirect effect I think you might see is if I'm a farmer and I'm harvesting cocoa now and I realize that an increase in the farm gate price is just around the corner, what, what I would likely do or what, what, what a logical person would do is probably hoard that cocoa and not bring it to market presently, but wait like two or three weeks um, to try to take advantage of a higher price. Sure. So I think you're going to see arrivals here in the short run over the next couple of weeks kind of languish and really tail off. But we may see a surge in those numbers once we get into uh, into the month of October. Wow. Yeah, definitely uh, solid to understand some of those figures and maybe what could happen in the near term before we get to October. Uh, maybe switching a little bit more into maybe expectations for uh, the new crop year. Again, there's been a lot of fear with El Nino, something that the specs I think have taken and run with for much of this summer. What's kind of your early outlook for for kind of main crop uh, in West Africa if we start there? 
Yeah, I mean, great question. I think um, precipitation and weather patterns have been largely normal. Um, so we, we haven't really witnessed any kind of abnormal or anomalies of weather that you would associate with, uh, you know, with, you know, El Nino. I think that rather than talking about West Africa, as far as El Nino is concerned, I think the, the two origin countries that are more likely to uh, suffer any kind of ill effect because of that event over in the Pacific would probably, in my opinion, be Indonesia and Ecuador second mm-hmm. to, to that. I think then El Nino could shift um, the, you know, the walker cell circulation and the precipitation patterns we have over in the Western Pacific, kind of away from Indonesia, leading to drier conditions. And um, Ecuador can uh, oftentimes during an El Nino receive more rain rain than normal. Um, so, you know, flooding events and, um, you know, mudslides and whatnot. So I think those are the, the, the countries I'd be more concerned about. West Africa, I think that connection's a little bit harder to uh, kind of statistically, you know, prove out. Um, the weather has been largely normal, so I don't think, you know, anything unusual, that unusual is expected. Ivory Coast is the only country at this point, I think, that has announced that their crop may be down 20% uh, for the upcoming season. Um, I, you know, I, when I was asked my opinion about that earlier in, the, in this week by, you know, from someone, I kind of, um, kind of responded back joke, you know, half jokingly, but half serious. I'm like, maybe the reason why they're expecting their crop to be down 20% is, they're not going to see a hundred to 150,000 metric tons of cocoa smuggled in from, right. from Ghana next door that they did this last year um, compared to the, uh, the upcoming season. So maybe that's the reason why it's down. Not really, you know, um, any kind of agronomic reasons. Right. So taking that into consideration and, and knowing that we're still dealing with what's likely to be expected pretty poor or, or down Q3 grind results when we start to get those in mid October, why then, uh, if I look at a cocoa bean price board today, am I seeing thirty-seven fifty on the terminal market? Wow, uh, that's I think the lowest you said in over forty years in one of our previous calls. So, what uh, what seems to be making the specs uh, excited there? And maybe again, what what could it be? Where could we see some relief in, in the next couple months here? Yeah, that's that's the, the big question everybody's asking is when are we going to get some measure of relief or dip in prices that buyers can can utilize to extend coverage? Um, I can't really explain rationally or fundamentally the reason why cocos at um, thirty seven hundred dollars, you know, thirty seven fifty a metric ton, we're trading at forty five, forty six year highs. Um, you know, in order to price, you know, for prices to have appreciated from twenty five hundred where we started the season up to you know current levels. One would normally expect you'd have a, a huge deficit of 400, 500, maybe as much as 600,000 metric tons. That's not the case this year. Um, demand has been sort of lackluster and ho hum and has been declining recently when you track the latest IRI data. Um, so, you know, the grinds, as you already alluded to, have been nothing to write home about. We're going to get the third quarter grinds out in about a month's time, mid, mid-October. Yeah. They're not expected to be that fantastic. So it's not a demand story. Um, I think the, the origins have been putting out a lot of press about, you know, the crops being down and, um, you know, and uh, you know, weather not being ideal for, for cocoa development. But when you look at overall crop sizes and, and, uh, and total product productivity, um, it's not bad year over year. It's, it's, it's fairly, it's in line and pretty static with where we were a year prior. So, you know, maybe we have a deficit of, you know, 125 to maybe 175,000 metric tons on the, on the high side. Nothing order of magnitude that would justify a price move in excess of uh, you know twelve hundred you know thirteen hundred dollars a, met- a metric ton. So um, I think the, the 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 short answer to your question is it's it's been spec activity. So the funds for whatever reason have been um, you know 
piling into Goko. They're at their longest position they've had in uh, over a decade. You've got to go back to wow. you know 2013, 2014 to see a net spec um, you know participation you know, with with levels we're seeing in the current market in excess of ninety thousand net long contracts. And they'll probably add to the positions again this week when the CFT report comes out in the next like 30 minutes or so. So it's been largely a, a speculative and uh, and tech fund kind of led, led rally. Wow. Yeah, definitely a lot of frustrations out there, I'm sure, from from the users of, of chocolate and even powder, et cetera. So um, definitely, I think patience probably in order, at least in the near term, waiting for some sort of correction. And like, I think you maybe hinted at once we see how the main crops tracking, maybe get some confirmation of still relatively weak bean grinds in mid-October. Maybe the specs will start to sell off or take in some profits at the end of the year, which they kind of do in other markets as well. So maybe keep an eye out for Q4. I like that strategy, Eric. I think if you wait until October, if, if the cocoa farmers indeed hoarding cocoa to try to take advantage of higher farm gate prices, which are just around the corner coming up in two weeks, and if we see the early arrivals coming in strong in October, and then you you couple that with really weak grind numbers, you know that may serve as a catalyst to maybe cause the specs to maybe um, decide they want to you know pare back some of their you know massive bloated overly long position and take some profits on that and maybe see a little bit of selling that the buyer would, you know, would afford an opportunity to ex- extend cover to the, uh, to the, you know, to the commercial end user to extend. Good advice. Well, any other last uh, tidbits, Jeff, or expertise before we wrap this one up today? No, like I said, largely it's been uh, all about farm gate prices over the last uh, week, week and a half. There has been very little kind of on fresh new fundamental news. Just, I think a lot of, you know, kind of talk and, uh, and competition come from the different origins about what they're planning on doing with their, with their announced new season prices. So that's, that's, uh, that's it in a nutshell. Perfect. Well, great job as always. Uh, super solid to get an update on Coco with, with everything going on. Uh, and we'll go ahead and close this one out for the week. Uh, thanks everybody for listening in. And as Mike always says, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every moment with friends and family. And until next time, take care, everybody. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favell's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.